Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew 3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jude 3 Project. And today I'm joined by Reverend Dr. Marcus Jerkins. Welcome, Dr. Jerkins. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us again. You've been on here before, uh, some some years back, and then you were on here. Uh, you were a part of our Through Eyes of Color virtual experience. So you're no stranger to the Jude 3 Project. So it's good to have you back. For those who didn't see you the previous times, can you just tell our audience just a little bit about who you are? Sure. Um, so um, I'm Marcus Jerkins. I am uh, the senior pastor of the Resurrection Baptist Church in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, and also uh, I am a recent graduate of Baylor University in the Department of New Testament. Uh, and uh, excited to uh, be here. Thank you for being with us again. Uh, when when you were with us uh, before, uh, you hadn't crossed that uh, threshold of PhD yet, but now you're uh, you're you're there uh, with the uh, PhD in New Testament, which excites me as we get more and more African Americans uh, with PhDs in, in biblical. Uh, study. So that's amazing. We're here to talk about your book, uh, Black Lives Matter to Jesus. Um, and I was, uh, I posted this, I received it in the mail Saturday. I posted it on our Instagram and people went crazy. They're like, hey, where can I get that book? Um, the title, the cover really grabbed people. Um, what, what was kind of the the vision behind Black Lives Matter to Jesus, the salvation of Black life and all life in Luke and Acts? So, um, you know, years ago, as I shared with you, uh, when we had a chance to talk, uh, this title was nowhere near uh, what was in my heart. But uh, after uh, the issues that arose with George Floyd, I saw how the research that I was doing uh, could uh, certainly be uh, described as a way of saying that uh, Black Lives Matter to Jesus. Um, I wanted to uh, make sure that when uh, I published this book, I you know I wrote a dissertation, but I readapted adapted it for a popular audience. And when I um, did this, I wanted to make sure that I was able to express uh, the argument, as I said, as in a way that affected the culture, uh, help people understand really the argument that I'm trying to make. Uh, and also, I wanted to display uh, that uh, in the book with uh, Black artistry. Uh, one of the things I wanted to make sure of was, like, I didn't want to uh, make the claim that Black Lives Matter to Jesus without also putting uh, an image on the book that reflected uh, in, in a way in which Black Lives Matter and uh, by showing up Black artistry. So uh, this picture by Ted Ellis has a wonderful way of, of, of describing 
uh, kind of, uh, you know, God's concern for us with people getting baptized. And it describes really one of the major uh, arguments I make in, in, this, in the book with regard to how uh, God cared about uh, the Ethiopian eunuch and so forth. So I don't want to get too far ahead, but, but yeah, this is what I really want to accomplish in, uh, in, in this. Yeah, and that's helpful because we we always point back to um, how the Ethiopian eunuch was mentioned and the significance of that. Um, uh, and you you focus on Luke and Luke and Acts. Why was it important for you to focus on on those two books in particular? Some people think they could be read as one um, together. Why why was it important for you to focus? there yeah so so that's kind of a uh, kind of a scholarly quirk there uh, uh the way i was uh let me let's talk a little bit about luke and acts versus luke acts uh mm -hmm. I'm, I'm of the view that uh luke uh luke uh and it's luke and acts not luke acts because luke does some really different things in both of these books uh certainly one is a sequel to the other but uh they're not a composite book as it were uh, mm -hmm. so that's why i don't say luke acts but um, Luke, uh, and, and Luke in his uh, gospel and Luke and also the history, uh, Luke is trying to accomplish something uh, uh, magisterial in a way uh, because uh, Luke wants to explain uh, the coming of Jesus and the salvation of the world. And so I thought this would uh, be a place where I think throughout the Bible we could establish uh, the fact that God cares about uh, black people. Uh, but I wanted to find some of the strongest evidence. And I found that Luke, uh, Luke's gospel and also his history of the church gave us some of the most potent evidence to make that case for us. And so that's why I wanted to locate myself here in Luke and Acts. Yeah, that's that's powerful. And I love how you mentioned like Luke is kind of focusing on the salvific work throughout the world. And that even starts with his genealogy uh, going back to to Adam versus uh, Matthew. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting. You could see that at the, the offset, like he's, he's doing this, he's framing it for a particular reason. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and that's, yeah, that, and that's one of the, one of the key arguments of the book. And one of the things that gets me in trouble with a lot of scholars, because I take the view uh, that uh, that Adam, that Adam discussion is important and we ought not ignore that when we look at uh, Luke and Acts. Mm -hmm. What what do you think the significance? If I could push you a little bit on sure. on that Adam element in in sure. Luke. Sure. So you know one of the case I make in the book is to say uh, that Luke frames the genealogy of Jesus uh, with Adam uh, because Adam is used uh, as a way of of describing Jesus. Uh, that you know Paul says this in a very explicit way, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Paul says that uh, the last Adam, Jesus is the last Adam, right? This is the word he uses to uh, discuss Jesus in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we can't, uh, we have to be careful when we separate uh, the, the writers of the New Testament too much on certain issues. And one of those issues is uh, even Jesus being a kind of Adam. Mm -hmm. Luke doesn't say that explicitly, but he implies through his genealogy by saying that Jesus is son of God and then saying Adam is son of God. That's important. Um, because uh, Luke wants us to think of Jesus as a, another kind of Adam, as an Adam that comes uh, to bring on the new age. The first Adam brought the first age, right? He brought the, the, brought the current age, rather the present age, and Jesus brings on the age to come. So um, that's, that's why I think that's very important. 
that's that's helpful. Um, in in your your book, you address kind of the biblical view of blackness. Can you share with our audience a little bit about that? Yeah. So one of the things that um, and going back to the Adam piece, one of the things I wanted to make sure that I established uh, is that blackness is something that's not abnormal. Uh, it's not, uh, and it's certainly not ancillary. Um, it's not something that we can ignore, but it's something that's mentioned in the scripture and it's something that's central uh, to uh, the identity of people who are black. Black God, in other words, God made black people black. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that um, that gets ignored in certainly in modern society when we look at people who are trying to uh, say that color doesn't matter. And one of the mm-hmm. things I try to do in this book is disabuse uh, that concept to to say to say this that that there's no such thing in the Bible as it is today of a colorblind society mm-hmm. um, that people were given color by God and color is important to uh, their identity, but mm-hmm. that color never in any way makes them less than uh, another color. So so all colors uh, are are acceptable and not just acceptable, are ordained really by God. God puts melanin in our skin, all of us, right, who have it. Uh, and, and so uh, my, the point of my book was to say that blackness is that color that God gave black people and God ordained that color um, and I and I argue in the book that that color is symbolic for all sorts of purposes uh, for the glory of God. And I, that's why I go into the uh, discussion about the Ethiopian eunuch and uh, Simeon Niger and to describe kind of the significance of blackness in the biblical record uh, and also in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's so helpful. It's, it's amazing. You know, people try to use that. There is no Jew uh, or Greek to 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 what there's no male or female to to uh kind of whitewash in a sense or to say we're all one and it's amazing to me that those same people who make that argument are the at the head of like making sure there's a distinction in understanding gender mm-hmm. uh and it's like but if you point to the scripture for race you undercut your argument for gender yeah so you need you need to have some consistency and then when we go to revelation the fact that, you know, all these nation, tribes and tongues are mentioned is because God's like, even in the new world, we are who he created us to be. And yeah. he created us distinct and for various nationalities and shades to show off his glory and his creative genius. Right. And so we don't want to dis- diminish that. We want to highlight that, that he he did things for a purpose. So I think yeah. it's important that you acknowledge that. Yeah, and, and and it's and it's and it's and it's essential uh, to note that that you know uh, God is a God who made us to be polychrome or to be many different colors, right? Uh, we mm-hmm. all have our different places in uh, the the family of God, and God does God uh, does the work that God does in the gospel uh, through Jesus, through the apostles, etc., uh, to display that. That's why. Um, we have these narratives that that specifically mention the nations that people come from. And that's why I try to do the work in this book to say that when people think of different nations, they're not just thinking of uh, geopolitical distinctions. Uh, they're thinking of color distinctions. And those color distinctions often come 
uh, with uh, with with problems, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and so the work I try to do in this book is to say that we can discover the roots of racism. Uh, they run very, very deep. It's, it, and, and let me be very clear: it wasn't uh, the racism that we saw in the in the in the you know after the Enlightenment period. We're not talking about uh, the biological racism uh, that uh, that came into full force uh, after the Enlightenment. But we are talking about a kind of uh, proto-racism, if you will, uh, a, a way of speaking about people that links their color to their nation. Uh, mm -hmm. And says that because you're part, of, you're that color. There's something that's shameful, or there's something that's wrong with you because of your appearance. And that, and one of the things that we, as scholars, describe uh, that kind of uh, uh, phenomenon as is is what's called physiognomy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things I try to raise in this book is to say uh, that we see uh, physiognomy throughout the you know ancient world in various various ways that people say. That your your the way your physical appearance is determines aspects of your character, right? Mm. And so that's why it's, that's physiognomy. And so we see a racial or a kind of a color physiognomy, uh, geographical physiognomy, or or uh, uh, is if you will ethnographic physiognomy is what it's called, uh, ethnographic physiognomy uh, in in work when it comes to Ethiopians, uh, black skinned people uh, in a lot of Greek literature. And so I tried to uh, play off of that to say uh, that the New Testament addresses uh, that particular aspect and undermines it um, through the gospel. And, uh, and that's really the kind of the, the hinge of my book is to say uh, that that's something that, that we have to see going all the way back to the ancients and really showing up in uh, America. It's still around, very much around, because there's something within the, eighth, the, the, the human psyche that makes us see differences in each other and use those differences as a way to step on each other. Mm -hmm. And the people that many folks like to like to talk about stepping on uh, is uh, in, in a certain way what, what uh, black skinned people. And I try to talk talk say that uh, that's a problem. God saw that problem, and God used black people to, to to say that that their skin is not a problem to me. I made them black, and I love them as black people. Mm -hmm. You even think about. Uh... Uh, Simon who carried the cross um, it, it, It's almost as if God, Jesus, God knew Well he did know That people were going to use The gospel message As something for them And not for other people mm -hmm. And Flipping it on his head at the root You know he's always doing that You know when you think about who comes At the, at the tomb It's mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. He's constantly flipping everything on his head to mm -hmm. say, you thought it wasn't for those people. You thought it was mm -hmm. only for these people. Mm -hmm. But let me show you through how I work, mm -hmm. how it's, it's changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God is a consummate uh, uh, script flipper. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's actually, you know, one of the, and most, you know, scholars will admit to this. That that's a common theme you see in all the Gospels, and then also Luke. Luke goes out of his way to show how uh, God flips the script and chooses people that others would not choose. For example, when Jesus uh, uh, is is preaching the sermon in Luke's Luke's Gospel on the plain, uh, the the word is not "blessed are the rich," but "blessed are the poor," mm -hmm. right? 
that's that makes no sense, right? That you don't the the, the poor are, are not blessed because you, you don't want to be in poverty, but but God blesses the poor, God blesses the persecuted, God blesses uh, those who have been forsaken. So uh uh Jesus says in the gospel uh, that the things that people esteem highly are an abomination in the sight of God. I mean, that's that's very clear to show you that in Luke's portrayal of Jesus, uh, Jesus is a, a, a script flipper. Uh, mm -hmm. And so he wants us to see um, that 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 God will choose the ones that we reject. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's one of the things that uh, I wanted to really push in the book. Uh, and it helps us understand why God would choose black people. And I try to frame that discussion uh, to, to say black people are central uh, in the mind of God when it comes to the mission of salvation. Uh, when we look at the biblical record in both the Old and New Testament, because God likes to flip the script. Mm -hmm. For those who are listening and not familiar with who the Ethiopian eunuch is. Can you just tell the story sure. and walk them through the significance of yeah. it? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so uh, when we when we arrive in the book of Acts, we discover uh, that uh, Jesus tells his disciples uh, that God is going to do something fantastic. God is going to bring salvation uh, starting in Jerusalem, uh, then to Judea, then to Samaria, and then it goes, it leaps, leaps to the uttermost part of the earth, to the ends, the, to the ends of the earth. So Luke's gospel, if you read it, Luke's gospel, Luke's, uh, Luke's, Luke and Acts rather, in, in the book of Acts, when Luke tells the story in Acts, you can see the book of Acts really follow that initial prophetic statement by Jesus, that Luke tells the story in such a way. So we start in Jerusalem. And, and then somehow we go to Judea, but then in Acts chapter eight, we get to Samaria. In Acts chapter eight, in the in, in while in Samaria, uh, Philip preaches the gospel to some Samaritans. And after Philip preaches the gospel to some Samaritans, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord comes and, and tells him, and the Spirit speaks to him, uh, to go and talk to this Ethiopian who was at Jerusalem, but was on his way uh, back home. So it, it appears that there was an Ethiopian who had, uh, who was a eunuch who had come uh, to uh, Jerusalem. We're not sure exactly if he was successful in worshiping there uh, because there were some provisions in the Old Testament that suggested that eunuchs were not necessarily allowed to enter to the congregation or we're not allowed to, especially because he was most likely a Gentile from Ethiopia. Uh, he probably wasn't allowed to fully participate in the worship like he wanted to. But whatever he came for, he came for um, and he was headed back home. And God tells Philip to go and talk to him uh, while he's riding in his chariot. And uh, the Bible says that when Philip goes to talk to him, uh, that uh, he he finds him reading the book of Isaiah, and one of the favorite chapters for uh, the early church, one of the favorite chapters for us as Christians, black Christians today, Isaiah chapter 53. And the Ethiopian was reading the passage where it talked about uh, the sheep that's been placed before the shear. Uh, and uh, the, the, the servant of the Lord was as a sheep. Uh, and uh, that servant opened not his mouth, uh, but in his humiliation. Uh, uh, he was in humiliation. So 
uh, essentially the Ethiopian eunuch is uh, reading this passage. Uh, Luke tells us in his in his uh, in the book of Acts that he's reading this passage, and Luke doesn't just tell us he's reading this passage, but Luke actually quotes the passage that he's reading. Mm -hmm. And after Luke quotes this passage, uh, the Bible says uh, that uh, Philip, you know, talks to the man, witnesses to him. The man uh, uh, says he wants wants to eat. Man gets uh, becomes a believer, and both he and Philip are uh, uh, jump, uh, go get baptized. Philip, this is the only time in the book of Acts this happens. It's interesting that that uh, Philip is baptized with him. He goes into the water with him. And the Bible says after Philip and he uh, are done, Philip is snatched away like uh, Elijah. Uh, and, uh, and, and the Bible says that the Ethiopian returns home rejoicing. Um, and so that's essentially the story. And it's, uh, it's filled with, uh, all sorts of uh, interesting things. It's, it's uh, what the atheists would call uh, encomium, that is a praise, an act of praise, because the way the Ethiopian is described, he's the uh, head of the treasury. He's a servant. He, he serves the Kandake, which is uh, the queen uh, of Ethiopia, uh, which is uh, not current. You know, there's whole source, all sorts of historical uh, distinctions we need to make here, but uh, but basically, this nation, that's uh, where uh, southern Sudan is today, uh, aspect of Sudan. And so uh, this man, uh, the Bible says, uh, had all this treasure, all this wealth. It was a wealthy man riding in a chariot, which is a sign of wealth. And he's an Ethiopian, which for an ancient person means he's black. That's one of the problems that we've had in scholarship is that scholarship didn't want to acknowledge the fact that this man was black. But Luke mm -hmm. is telling us that he's an Ethiopian, which means that for the ancient reader, there's no question, he's black. He's a dark-skinned African. Uh, and uh, this wealthy, dark-skinned Af African is reading Hebrew scripture, reading Jewish scripture, rather, uh, the Greek New Testament, most likely. And that means he's educated, right? So Luke is going out of his way to tell us all these positive things about this black-skinned person. Um, and so uh, in the process, Luke tells us specifically what he's reading. And what he's reading is the passage of Isaiah where uh, the, 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 the servant is humiliated. And, and uh, I don't know if you want me to go too far. You want me to stop here? No, uh, you can keep going. Okay. So he's reading a passage from Isaiah that deals with the humiliation of the servant of the Lord. Uh, and uh, for the ancient reader, this is important. The ancient reader would catch this because to be Ethiopian in the physiognomic system of many ancient thinkers, to be Ethiopian was to be humiliated. Mm -hmm. To be black skinned was to be humiliated, right? So Luke doesn't just, Luke could have just told us he was reading from Isaiah, but Luke show tells us and writes in the chapter the specific passage he's he's reading on purpose because Luke wants us to know that this man who is perceived by many ancients as humiliated because of the color of his skin a uh, Philo of, of Alexandria one of the most prolific uh Hellenistic Jewish writers of the time uh, in his uh, allegoristic uh, uh, allegory rather in his allegory he says, that when you see Ethiopia in the Bible, because he's writing a commentary on Genesis, you know, in Genesis, 
uh, where it talks about uh, where the Garden of Eden is, and it talks about the uh, the rivers that the, the Gihon River that flows around Ethiopia. He says that when he's giving his commentary on Genesis, that Ethiopia means humiliation. Hmm. And so this idea is that this man, Luke has tells us this man is reading the, the book of Acts and reading a passage about humiliation. But the passage about humiliation is not talking about him. The passage about humiliation is talking about Jesus. Mm. And so Luke is going out of his way to say that God through Christ identifies with this man in his blackness, not in spite of it, but, but because you all think he's humiliated, when the gospel is supposed to go from Jerusalem, when the gospel is supposed to go to uh, Judea and Samaria, now we're at the point where the gospel is about to reach the ends of the earth because in the ancient world, Ethiopia was at the ends of the earth. So the gospel has finally reached the ends of the earth with this Ethiopian and it's a person who has black skin. As God says, y'all say he's humiliated. But the one who was humiliated shows us that he is identified with him in his blackness. And that's one of the reasons why I argue that, 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 that this is one of the major arguments of my case to say that God centered a black life to signify the salvation of the nations, to show us that the skin that you that human beings call humiliated, those that's not humiliation. That's not what we call it. God honors this man in his blackness and God honors every person's color and whatever color God has given them. That's powerful. That is very, very, I think, helpful to note. And that as you were uh, talking about the story, I couldn't help but think about, <clears throat> you know, African spirituality is, is big uh, now. And um, the, I wonder what the spiritual life of the Ethiopian eunuch was before. I, I don't have those details. Maybe you have some in your research, but to, I thought about the significance for the first time of Philip being taken away. Uh, he's already explained. He's already showed him. They already baptized, but it's like he seals it with the sign. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what significance that might've played in the mind of the Ethiopian eunuch to have that if you already have a faith that has powers attached to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Ethiopian, and I didn't mention this, and this is important. It's more likely that this man is a God fearer. So he, so he's coming to Jerusalem uh, to worship the God of Israel. Um, mm -hmm. So he probably has certainly, you know, you know, notions of whatever form of spirituality, uh, that uh, that other other uh, indigenous Ethiopians would have had, but by the time he comes to Jerusalem, there's already. I mean, Ethiopia is certainly mentioned in the biblical text tons of times. There's tons of contact between Israel and Ethiopia, and Jews. We know Jews had had gone to Egypt and had gone to Ethiopia, so there's a lot of contact there. Um, but when he see when he comes as a Gentile, God fearer, uh, to uh, surrender himself. Uh, to Jesus, he hears the gospel uh, and he sees this evidence of God's presence uh, there uh, that, like you said, uh, Philip is uh, snatched away uh, in this powerful moment uh, that that's that's almost really, I mean, you know, scholars uh, compare uh, the scene here 
with a lot of various scenes in the Old Testament to show that God, that, that, that the way the, the case is framed here, the way the scenario is framed, is God is all over this text. Uh, and this shows how much God cared. And this is the only case, y'all, this is important to note this. When you read the book of Acts outside of Paul, this is one of the only few times where the Lord does all of this to win one soul. Mm. And, and, and this is to show that God is doing something new. After the Ethiopian eunuch uh, confesses Christ, uh, then Acts chapter 9 happens and Paul gets saved. Mm-hmm. And that's Paul's the Gentiles to the nations. And after Paul gets saved, then Acts chapter 10, Cornelius gets saved, right? This is a pivotal moment. This is a turning point. It's what we call apocalyptic. This is a revelation of how God intends to reach the nations. And God shows that if I can get the nations that y'all say are far away and distant, if I can win somebody who y'all uh, say his skin uh, is not, uh, is humiliated, then I can reach everybody. So God mm-hmm. uses this black-skinned man uh, as a symbol to demonstrate God's reach for everybody. That's powerful. That's powerful. And I think so helpful. And it's such a needed word because there are people who feel insignificant, left out, marginalized, simply because the color of their skin. I I tell this story often. We went to Southern on our HBCU tour. Uh, Hebrew Israelites follow us everywhere. At Southern, the guys you know, during Q&A, he's kind of doing his thing. But when his friend leaves, he's, he says something that is stuck in my mind. He said, why are my people getting gunned down in the street? It must be that we're cursed. And so he had concluded because of the situations that were happening in our community, that the only real uh, solution that he could come up with for the problem of evil in the black community was that we were cursed. Mm. That some kind of way God had cast us aside. And I think what you're showing uh, is showing, hey, that's not true. God does, is very intentional about reaching our community and look at acts, look at the significance, look at the time uh, invested in this Ethiopian eunuch to make sure his life is transformed. And so I think that is a helpful, um, a helpful reframing for so many young people who are wrestling with this idea that we don't matter to to Jesus, mm. and and they because they've seen um, wealth, they've seen prominence associated with faith in their mind or God's favor. That if they don't have that, they think that they're less than or they're not cared about. Mm. But as you eloquently described earlier, how Jesus flips things on his head at the mm. Sermon on the Mount and says, "Blessed are the poor, mm. blessed are those." Um, and so I think this is. Is just so helpful. I'm so glad that you you took the time and did the uh, put this together uh, because I think it's necessary for our community. Yeah, and, and that's that's the story. I mean, I, I'm I'm again I'm I'm going to get in trouble with a lot of the scholars because <laughs> I really try to argue that we have not read Luke and Acts right um, because uh, this story, this part, this this the the the, the story of the salvation of the non Jewish nations. Is wrapped up in the story of God's love for all people as God's children. Let me go back to the very beginning of our discussion. We talked about Adam. The purpose, one of the major purposes of my book is to say that every color comes from Adam. Every color, every every distinctive comes from, we all come from the same place. And that's important to note 
because uh, you know, in the history of racism, we tried to make distinctions between each other and say some of us, you know, came from different places, right? Yeah. And, and so, but the gospel says, no, 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 no. We all come from Adam, and that means this is important. I want to make this very clear. That means that all of us are the children of God. Mm -hmm. Every last one of us, all of us. Now, what I try to argue in this book is that we are God's children, but we have lost our sense of being God's children. And Jesus comes to restore our sense of what I call childship, knowing what it means to be a child of God. Um, and that's why this narrative is so essential, because that's exactly what happens with this Ethiopian eunuch. He becomes symbolic of God, of God reclaiming every child of God outside of Israel, that all the Gentile nations will come back to him. Uh, and this and this man's uh, symbolic of that. And so I try to argue in this book uh, that, uh, that that to be a child of God is to really show us what it means to be in God's image and likeness. And imagine uh, that when the gospel is preached to the Gentiles, that the image that God wanted to center is a black image, is mm -hmm. the black is the image of God that reflects black, uh, that looks black. And God says, now when I, when other nations now, when you see my image and likeness and know that that you are made like me, I want you to look at black people and see they they look like me. That 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 brown people look like me. That yellow people look like me. All of you look like me. But he puts black the black skin people there first uh, to signify uh, that that the the ones that many people in the ancient Greek world, excuse me, in ancient Greco-Roman context would say that these people uh, don't matter. And how they look, or at least how they look, is ugly. And how, and 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 even uh, if you go to certain places, uh, Lisa, and you see uh, some frescoes, you see some paintings. They they used to uh, paint uh, Ethiopian people to scare away demons, mm. uh, because uh, because they they say that these people are so ugly that they scare demons away. <laughs> you know, and, mm. and, and this is this is to show you. A kind of the idea. So it wasn't just the literature. It wasn't just Philo. It wasn't just pseudo Aristotle who said uh, that to be black skin was to be shameful. But the artwork even shows it. Uh, the descriptions about how these black skin people were were were, were so foreign and and and, and they were uh, they their culture was not like Greek culture. Right? Greeks thought of themselves as the highest culture of all. So they made fun of black skin people and the people they called too white too. It's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, but but these black skin people, God says that I can use these black skinned people uh, to signify my image, uh, to, to let people know what the image of God looks like. It's, it's, and it's not just them, but God uses them to say that if I can be imaged as black, I can be imaged as brown. If I can be imaged as brown, I can be imaged as yellow. If I can be imaged as yellow, I can be imaged as tan. God comes in all colors uh, in his image and his likeness. And that's important for us to recognize. That's that's helpful. And I think that's a good place uh, to to end it. Um, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Jerkins. Thank you for writing this book. Y'all go and get this book. It's on Amazon. Look out, look out uh, on my Facebook, Marcus Jerkins uh, and then uh, Rev, uh, uh, Rev M. Jerkins on uh, Instagram. You'll see my, my Instagram on my Facebook. You'll see my website when I put it up. OK, thank you so much, Dr. Jerkins. Make sure y'all grab this. Um, 
And uh, I think you will be richly blessed by it. This interview was amazing. And I think it'll be helpful for all those who listen. Thank you for watching another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast. As always, you can catch all our podcasts on our website, wherever you get your streaming podcasts. Subscribe to us on all social media at Jude 3 Project. Our website is Jude3Project.org. We have merch there. We have our curriculum there uh, through Eyes of Color. Uh, You can take online courses. Uh, it's a whole host of other things. Remember, um, we have our event January 20th in Chicago, Problematic Passages. You don't want to miss that. Join us. It will also be streaming on Facebook and YouTube if you're not in the Chicago area. But if you're in the Chicago area, join us. It's going to be amazing. We have Dr. Joe Vitale and Dr. Esau McCauley. And if you want to become a monthly partner, you can do so um, at g3project.org hit the donate tab. There's an online option or there's a mail in option. Remember every gift helps equip. And here at the Drew three project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it until next time. Grace and peace and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew three project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew 3 project. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jude3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jude3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jude3Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.